Well, it's, again, great honor for me to be here today and part of this service. My name's Jim Turner, and until this spring, I had the tremendous honor and privilege of being Tom and, and Crenny's pastor for the last 11 years. And so we welcome you uh, here today to this memorial service to indeed celebrate the life, the work, the ministry of Thomas Gaudet. And of course, we grieve in the sense that we miss him. Every time I think about him, I miss him. But we rejoice indeed that he's no longer dealing with that grueling battle with pain. So many times I'd be sitting in my office back there, I called it the, the cave at the end of the hall, and look down, look down the hallway and there'd be coming Tom, either on his walker or his cane, literally sometimes dragging himself down that hall so he could fellowship with me for a few minutes. But his mortal body, that terrestrial body, has put on immortality. Amen. Hallelujah. And be mindful that Brother Tom is more alive today than you and I are here. He's enjoying that eternal life promised to him. So we go on. Let's, let's pause for prayer. Father, indeed, we bow before you. Lord, we thank you that we can be here to celebrate. Yes, we sorrow, but we sorrow not as those that have no hope. Indeed, we celebrate our dear brother, his love for you, his love for the word of God, his love for his family, oh Lord, his love for his church and brothers and sisters in Christ. And so, Father, we, we unite here today together to, yes, remember him, but Lord, so much more, thanking you for your loan of our brother to us in these years. Thank you, Lord. Please bless everything that goes on here today. Of course, we wanted to honor you first and foremost. We also wanted to honor our brother and what he meant to us. We ask it, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen and amen. Well, Tom was born into this world on October 7, 1951. But he was born again of God in early 1975 at the Bible Baptist Church in Ark, uh, uh, Jacksonville, Arkansas. At the time, he was in the United States Air Force. And uh, a friend there had invited him to church. They went to, he and Trini went to church and, and uh, he was saved. Hallelujah. How important it is to invite folks to church where they can hear the gospel. And of course, Tom was delivered from this world into the presence of Jesus Christ last Wednesday, November 30th, 2022. Tom's earthly tabernacle of his body will, uh, just a reminder, will be interred at 2 p.m. at the National Cemetery in uh, uh, just this side of Dallas. What a, I, I love, how do you say this rightly? I just love being there. It's a place of, uh, special to, to you and I that enjoy the freedoms of this country, of those who have served. And I'm thankful that Brother Tom's going to be interred there. And uh, if you're planning to, to go with us to the cemetery, you need to be in line out here at 1245, or you'll have to find it on your own. The service will be at 2. Now, as we said, Tom was born October 7, 1951. That grand event took place in Lake Charles, Louisiana. And I know I didn't say that right, folks, but forgive me. To Oscar Richard Gaudet and Joyce Marie Moreau Gaudet. He had two sisters and one brother. Tom literally gave himself to God and to others, serving as a missionary at home and to the world. And uh, among those places where he served 
where the Philippines, Australia, Thailand, other places, Thailand being the last country that they served in, both Tom and Crenny dedicated themselves, sometimes to the detriment of their own health, to the service of the Lord Jesus Christ and the goal that all people would have in their hands the printed word of God in their language. It was the, the burden, the vision of their ministry. Marcia and I had the privilege to see that labor firsthand while they were still in Thailand. There in Chiang Mai, they had a, a busy office going full of workers translating the word of God and discipleship uh, tools and works into the languages there of Southeast Asia, but also many other languages in the world. Tom was preceded in death by his parents, Oscar and Joyce Gaudet, his brother Robert, Robert Gaudet, and his sister Linda Pritchett. He survived by his dear wife, Karen Gaudet, his daughter Lisa Johnson, and her husband Brian, four grandchildren, Caden, Kaylee, Chase, and Levi Johnson, and his sister Pam Yates, and of course other family members. Uh, you know, I'm going to share some personal things about Tom, and, but I look across this room and I know there's story after story after story that you all could share. So please, I can't share your story, but let me share a little bit of mine. I first met Tom Gaudet 20 years ago. I was pastoring a little town north of here in Bowie, Texas, Central Baptist Church there. And I'd only been at the church a, a few weeks when this missionary showed up at the office and I believe, actually, I believe he was on his way to Metropolitan Baptist Church, to making some preparations. He and Crenny were going to become members here in short order. Well, he stopped by the office, and, and uh, all, I, all I knew of him at the time was it was a name on the list of missionaries that our church supported. But I've got to say this. I'd never met a missionary quite like Tom Gaudet. It's probably safe to say you all never met a missionary quite like Tom Gaudet. Over the next hour or so, I had my idea and my thinking of missions changed. In many ways revolutionized. Over the over the years, I had my thinking on what missions was, and in those days, Tom was making plans to how they might, how he and Crenny might be able to get into China and serve the Lord there. They was talking about some different ways to do that. And uh, as a pastor, maybe pastors here can share this this same thinking. But as a pastor, my view of missions and ministry in general was if I was I was wearing blinders. You know, I I was focused on my church, my neighborhood, my community. But that day that changed. That changed indeed. The Lord used Tom to take away those blinders. As he talked to me about how we could reach the world with the printed page. Not only the neighborhood. Not only the community or town where our church was located. But regions. Nations. And people groups. At the time Tom hadn't explained to me what he meant by people group. Changed my thinking. Of course his burden was that those peoples around this earth planet would hear the life-changing gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. At that very time, he was developing plans to take a team to South Korea at that very moment in time. 
to give the gospel to the athletes and the attendees of the Olympic Games that were going to take place there. And there may be some folks in this room that went on that very trip, part of that team. Tom's vision. Skipping forward. Tom's vision when he had returned home from Thailand was to take the printed word, the printed word of God, and and see it adapted literally into the languages of the world, virtually, on the Internet. He wanted to see the, 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 the Word of God available to whether it was uh, that Muslim in, in uh, the, the regions that Islam have, or to the very continents of uh, the, the uh, South American continents of the Hispanic and, and to the world, literally. And he lived these last years with that burden and vision on his heart. He wanted the, the Word of God and the evangelistic and discipleship materials uh, to be present there at, at people's fingertips. He lived and he breathed that very vision. And I ask you, please, would you please pray Pray for this church and those that are here today that were part of that work that Tom's vision would become a reality. I've talked really too long already, but to close, I want to challenge you with these words, please. We all have friends in this world. Every one of us. We have brothers and sisters in Christ. And then we have friends that are brothers and sisters in Christ. Tom was my friend. And he was my brother. And I loved him. And I look forward, as you do, to that day. Oh, my. That day when we'll worship the Lord Jesus Christ shoulder to shoulder in that grand reunion day in glory. Thank you. We're now going to be blessed by us. Uh, a song by Deborah Stevens, Sheltered in the Arms of God. Amen. I feel the touch of hands so kind and tender.
rise, they don't worry me, for I'm sheltered safe within the arms of God. He walks with me, and not of earth shall harm me. I've struggled a lot about what to preach today. It's hard to preach to preachers. We've got preachers here from all over the United States. Some of you Louisiana people might wonder why, what was it about him? What was it that God did through him that draws the attraction and the influence of the world? Well, he made an impact because he got in on the plan of God. I want to go to, I've got three verses in 1 Peter chapter 1. I'll just read these three verses. <clears throat> you know, Brother Jim mentioned, we sorrow not as them that have no hope. I was thinking about, early this morning, about 4 o'clock, I was thinking about this message. I was thinking about the hopelessness of a lost world when it comes to this day. But looky here. Here's the family. And I know there will be grieving days and sorrowful days, and, but Paul said, we saw not as them that have no hope. Amen. And the hope is written in the face of this, these two ladies, this family, this church. <clears throat> I think Ronnie put a reserve sign on that chair against the wall back there by the map. As I was looking over the scriptures this morning, I found that verse. Jonathan said to David, your chair is empty and you'll be missed. Brother Jim talking about that guy who would limp down the hall with his cane and just come in to visit. I've been, I've been here since March. I can't tell you how many times that fellow who couldn't hardly get out of bed of the morning took two hours to get limbered up enough to just get to the living room to, to, to sit down. We'd call and apologize because he wasn't in his chair. I, all I can say is God give us a heart like that. <clears throat> his chair is empty and he will be missed. So Peter is writing, and I think he's, he's got uh, some things to say that will help us. I've got three verses and three steps. First, there's God's plan. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again, listen, unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Not only has he a plan, he's got a place. God has a place. To an inheritance, verse 4, incorruptible and undefiled, that fadeth not away. I was looking at this video. Uh, we got the link. And if some of you want to get the link, we can share it with you. That was, uh, 
That was a few years ago, about the time I came into this church. Did you see the tom of that picture? And we'll see, we've seen the tom of this day, how he faded. Miss Crenny said, when I first began to be a taxi driver and helping her, she said, one day he's going to go in that hospital and not come back. And I said in my heart, no, no, not that guy. He's too tough. He's going to go on. He just had determination. Hey, the last, the last plan I, or the last time I talked to him, he talked about his plan, what he was going to do next. Brother Bujack said, I've spent two hours over there to comfort him and get acquainted better. And he said, all I heard was, as soon as I get well, I'm going to do this. And as soon as we get past this, we're going to do this. And, and some of you have heard that. But he faded. And all we have here is the earth suit. He's not here. He's already rejoicing on the street of gold. Because God's got a place that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you and you and you and me who believe in Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. That's where he's at. He's already been there a week. I figure he's got something organized in heaven <laughs> by now, don't you? And then, verse number five, not only does he have a plan and not only does he have a place, he has power to deliver. Verse six, over five, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. I don't have time to go to all the scriptures. Psalm 16, verse 11 says it's a place where the pleasures are evermore. Chapter 17 of Psalm says, I will see him in righteousness. And I'll be satisfied when I behold him in his likeness. Think about that. Tom had had struggle just breathing his last breath. Is in the presence of the Lord today. And he sees him. We pray to him. We look forward, but he's there. That's the promise. God's plan is if you get saved, you're going there. God's place is a place that is, hey, there's no corruption there. I've got a bunch of verses, but I, and I can't follow my outline. It's a place of never-ending mercy. Let's look at Psalm 103 just a minute. I think this, I've got, I'm going to skip down through some verses. <clears throat> Verse 8 says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. Get this. Get this. Somebody here saying, I wish I hadn't sinned so much. I wish I could enjoy. I wish I could be a Christian like you are. I wish, you could, I, wish I could enjoy that living hope that you have. This verse says he has plenty of mercy. What that says is he's got more mercy than you got sin. And if you'd bring your sin to him, he'll bring his mercy to you and give you a savor that cannot fade away. Amen. For as the heaven is high, verse 11, uh, high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. Somebody's got pride uh, about Cal Colorado and the mile high city. You know, when you get a mile high, in Denver, you're a mile higher than you are here, but you're nowhere near 
that place of God yet. I mean, there's sinners in Denver just like there's sinners in Houston and Dallas. But he's got more sin than this whole world can pile up. I mean, he's got more mercy than this whole world can pile up sin. Y'all got that? And as far as from the east, from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions, verse 17, the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. I preached on this last Sunday. The song said, when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. That's a good song, and I like it, but it doesn't say it right. Before the world ever existed, before sin ever existed, before Satan was ever cast out of heaven, I was on his mind. And his mercy is from everlasting to everlasting. And that salvation that I that purchased me as a 12-year-old boy 70 years later is still working and still holding. And the power of God's still available. And with all of the sickness and the pain and the suffering that that brother Tom had he still hung on to the mercy of God and that power of God was able to deliver him it can deliver us to all such as keep his covenant and to those that remember his commandments to do them I'd like to spend a lot of time about the mercy. But I would just say this to you. John chapter 3 says it best. You must be born again. And something to remember when you read your New Testament, wind and breath and spirit are all the same word. It's a pneuma. So he says to Nicodemus, you must be born with water and with the word. And get this, the wind blows where it listeth. That means the wind will blow where it wants to and when it wants to. We're here today. If Tom had waited till today, he would be too late. The wind blew and what year? 78? 75? In 75 in up there in Arkansas. And he called hold. That seed was planted. And a new breath came into an older body. And he's lived in that. All these, hey, get this. Get a hold of this. While we're sorrowing, and while we look here and say, well, that's Tom, he's gone. While we were saying goodbye, they were saying hello on the other shore. I mean, that wind, that wind of that Holy Spirit blows where it listeth, and somehow it passed by that medical city the other day, and in an instant, He was present with the Lord. To be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. The wind blows where it listeth. The Holy Spirit works when he will. And somehow he got his sail up in Arkansas, and he's he's been blown all over half the world, and now he's home at heaven. Same wind. Went to a... I just love the thought of this, that heritage that over in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, it says, if I could find 2 Corinthians, he said, we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, it's not completely dissolved because it's been embalmed. But it's on its way to being dissolved. But that's not Tom. He's not there. See, 
we have a building of God, a house not made with hands. We've got, it was a, he, he tabernacled here, that's temporary in a tent. The tent folded now, and he's moved into the house. Jesus said, I'll go to prepare a place for you, and if I go away, I will come again to receive you into myself, and there shall you be also. That's exactly where he's at today. He went to sleep here. He woke up in heaven. He drew a last breath here, and the next breath was heavenly air. Think about that. He took a last, you know, he was struggling for every breath. Think about that. When he finally ran out of oxygen, that next breath was that pure heavenly air. No contamination, no sin, no tear, no heartache, no suffering, no cripples, no, no, no. He inherited what God has prepared. And he, he took that deep breath. He closed his eyes here and opened his eyes. Fanny Crosby, blind from babyhood, said, don't feel sorry for me. My eyes have never seen sin. And the first face that I shall behold is the face of my Savior. He closed his eyes here. Got to look at Miss Crenny for the last time. Kissed her for the last time. And opened his eyes to see the Savior. Paul says over there, John says over in 1 John, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be. But when we shall see him, we'll be like him. For we shall see him as he is. I think about that. He's not, I had a good friend, Parker Rice, in a wheelchair, and some sweet old lady in the church said, just think, Brother Parker, when you get to heaven, you'll get a golden wheelchair. He said, no, ma'am. I'm throwing my wheelchair away, and God's going to give me new legs, new body. Think about this, those old eyeballs. Everything I know about God, I see through the eyes of Paul or John or Moses or somebody but that day one week ago those eyes opened to the face of the Savior the psalmist said I shall be satisfied when I behold your beauty with my own eyes he's satisfied today He's, he, is, he got in on the plan of God. He's got saved. He got in the place of God. And now he's resting in the power of God. Here in 1 Peter, I was just noticing this week, he says in verse 5, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. Brother Jim's verse, Ephesians chapter 2 8 and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourself. You can't even have faith. He'll have to birth faith in you. He'll have to give you faith. He'll have to strengthen. We are saved by faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's all of God. It's God's mercy reaching down with grace to do what we cannot do for ourselves. Faith. So there's, there's the power of God that delivers with saving faith in verse 5. I just noticed this and got it read underlined now. I'm ready to preach it. Verse 7 says that the trial of your faith being more precious than 
though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise, honor, and glory at the appearing of Christ Jesus. Saving faith is just a beginning. There is a continuing faith that is built through adversity, through the trials. Miss Crenny's carried a lot of load for a lot of years now. I mean, for at least seven or eight years, I don't know how long, it's been hospital after doctor after hospital. And it's been sickness and weakness and troubles. You know what I've seen in these last, this last week is some faith that has been strengthened. And I know she's, she wouldn't want me to say this about her, but I've watched her faith function this past week in these days. And so he says down in verse number 18, Whom having not seen you love, and whom though ye see him not, yet believing. Hallelujah. We sorrow not as them that have no hope, because we have a belief of faith. We haven't seen him. We'll go out there to that national cemetery today, row on row and flag on flag and, and stone on stone, but it's all dead. But one day the trump of God will sound, the archangel shouts, and those graves burst open and the dead in Christ are raised. And we're caught up with them to meet him in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. I mean, it's not, it's not what we've seen, it's what we've trusted and believed out of the Word of God, out of the plan of God. Now the place of God is secure. He's absent here, but He's very present there. I was reading something this week about John Newton wrote Amazing Grace. That verse over there says, we are what we are by the grace of God. And he, he went off and said, I'm not what I once was and I'm not what I want to be. But And, and he wrote all that line that you've some of these preachers have preached. But what I noticed was, as an 83-year-old man, I'm 82, as an 83-year-old, he said, my memory's gone. I may not remember your name, but don't feel bad. I don't remember my name sometimes. He said, my memory's almost gone. He was on his deathbed. He said, here's what I can remember, that I am a great sinner. And that Jesus is a great Savior. It's not in us, it's in him. Tom didn't work for Tom, Tom worked for him. Tom's plans were not about Tom. Tom's plans were about him. Tom's printing was not about Tom. Tom's printing was about him. Brother Nat and I went back there this morning. There's a whole closet full of books and Miss Crenny, I think we got a place for them. They're the Urdu New Testament, a sim, a, a sim translated, and Brother Tom had published and We've got a closet full of them back there. They're good in Pakistan. They're no good in Fort Worth. But we've got a place. Simon Jacob's out of a church in Oklahoma, and we've got a track on that church, and, and they're going to Pakistan. He being dead, yet speaketh. 
what, that's what Hebrews 11 says about Abel. We could say that about this man right here. I mean, we, we've got a truckload of Bibles headed for Oklahoma to go to Pakistan because he did it. He was responsible for the translation. He was the responsible for the printing. And he's the one that left it all behind when he couldn't perform anymore. But God still used him. This is not a sad day, folks. It's a victory day. He's at the throne of God, kicking up gold dust, making a fuss. He's having a good time in heaven today because he was faithful to the plan of God and the power of God. We all need to get there as quick as we can. Let's sing, brother. We're going to sing page 149, Because He Lives. We'll sing the first and the last. for Jesus Christ's death. Thank you for his resurrection. Thank you that he lives today. And Lord, it's in his life, his victory, his power that we come before you. I ask you to comfort the hearts of these grieving folks. I pray for Miss Crenny and Lisa especially. I ask you, Lord, to just move and work in the hearts of us who are left behind. Help us to get acquainted with the plan of God, the power of God, and get ready for the place of God. Please take charge. 
In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. While they're coming, while Brother Barry and, and the folks are coming and getting ready, I just want to caution you. The, the meal is ready and you're invited. So as soon as you came, as you passed by, just go right down this hall and back to the gym. They, they'll be ready for you over there. We've got a limited time to eat, and it'll take a little while to feed this crowd. So uh, would you just go and as quick as you can? You can do your visiting over there, not over here. So, and then 1245, we've got to be leaving. So don't be, don't be leaving with a half a sandwich left behind or something. All right, come over here, Brother Barry.